0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver, and our special guest today is Deacon Steve Stemper, CEO and President of the Catholic Foundation. Deacon Steve, thanks for joining us this morning. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long have you been at the foundation? What parish you're assigned to? Just a little bit of background.
1: I was ordained in 2000, and I've been uh, assigned uh, from a ministry perspective to St. Thomas More ever since then, and um, we have four kids, and my wife and I have been married 35 years. We were. I've been at the Catholic Foundation as
0: CEO and president since November 1st, 2012, and it's been a real joy. Okay, great. And I know the Foundation does so many great things, but I'm not sure how many people know about all the great things that you do and know about how they can participate. So really today I'd like to talk about and let you really talk about what is the Catholic Foundation, how can people participate, and, you know, as we go through those things. But I think initially, so what is the Catholic Foundation, kind of what does it do, and is it unique to our Archdiocese of Denver here? Well, we're a standalone
1: entity that inspires and facilitates charitable giving for the long-term benefit of our donors and the Church with the ultimate goal of building up the kingdom of God. We were created 20 years ago to be legally separate from the Church, but we exist for the Church. Mm -hmm. That's why the Church, for instance, used us for the New Harvest Campaign for the St. John Vianney and Redemptress Moderate Seminaries a few years ago, to protect those monies legally for the long term for the seminaries, but to be able to basically do all of that for them. Our footprint is the Archdiocese of Denver, but we issue grants outside the Archdiocese as well. We may not uh, be unique um, to the United States, but we are in the minority. Uh, Many dioceses have a foundation, but most aren't legally separate from the diocese like we are. In 2017, we issued over 500 grants to over 200 organizations totaling nearly $11 million. Over half of those grants were issued from our donor-advised funds. We serve both individuals and organizations. For organizations, there are three main things that we can do for them. First, by being legally separate, we can safeguard assets on their behalf. Funds with us are like a trust for them. Second, we have a robust investment committee made up of investment professionals to ensure we are investing for a strong risk-return-adjusted long-term investment performance while minimizing the fees paid for that performance, which we can achieve due to our economies of scale, versus what a parish or an organization might be able to do on its own with much less in assets. And third, and I think most importantly, we ensure our investment choices are screened for compliance with what we refer to as our morally responsible investment policy guided by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. For all of those reasons, we are the ideal investment partner for a parish or any Catholic organization. Now, for individuals, there are also three main reasons to partner with us. First is the Church uses us as the place where parishioners can receive guidance on their planned giving, i.e., what are they going to put in their will, and I'll come back to that later. Second, we have the ability to also assist the archdiocese parishioners with their giving of anything beyond ordinary cash, checks, or credit cards, so gift of appreciated stocks, real estate, IRA transfers, especially dealing with the tax advantages of giving required minimum distributions directly to charity charitable gift annuities, charitable remainder trusts, beneficiary changes for life insurance policies or retirement accounts, really anything out of the ordinary. And third, we also complement current giving by offering donor-advised funds. I mentioned just a minute ago that most of our grants in 2017 were from our donor-advised funds. A donor-advised fund is a valuable tool for multiple scenarios, including, A, someone who wants to separate the tax timing of their charitable contribution from the timing of actually giving the dollars to the charitable organizations, B, if the individual or family wants to remain anonymous in their giving, and C, it dramatically simplifies their tax record-keeping. At the end of the year, if they've given to a donor-advised account at the Catholic Foundation, and then from that we've granted out to multiple organizations, they would only need to make sure they have their tax receipt from us. Donor-advised accounts are offered by other organizations like Schwab and Fidelity, but we're the ideal partner for a Catholic whose faith is important to them due to our morally
0: responsible investment portfolio mentioned earlier. And And actually you mentioned that a couple times. I'd like to maybe delve into that a little bit okay? Um, just so people know what that is. I mean, what would be an example of an investment you wouldn't make because of being morally responsible? Is there a company or a fund that maybe promote something that would be offensive to the church? And what would that look like? How would yeah. you how would you kind of screen that?
1: Well the, the most dramatic examples would be somebody involved in the healthcare industry that is either doing abortions or embryonic stem cell research or something like that. Those okay. are that's the extreme of the of the example.
0: So do you have staff that kind of screen that? Is that we, we don't you find it on the web? I mean how do you know who's doing what to make sure that you yeah. know, we are morally responsible. Yeah, we do
1: not have staff for that. That's where our investment committee comes in. Our investment committee has hired a firm, and we're using Invest, a, a local Catholic-owned organization, to guide our investment portfolio. And so they work with the individual investment managers and provide cl- screening
0: to make sure that, that we're in compliance. So if I'm giving you my money, which I don't have much, <laughs> but if I'm giving you my money and you tell me that you're morally responsible— I can feel very confident that you're doing those screenings and that, you know, it's not like investing who knows where, that that money not only will grow, but will be done in a way that is responsible to the teachings of the church. Exactly. Well, I think that's really comforting for people. I think people need to know that because there's so many pitfalls out there, and it's hard for us to keep track of who's doing what. And, you know, who's supporting abortion, who's supporting same-sex marriage, whatever those things are. So
1: It's a robust job, and it's through our portfolio economies of scale that allow us to be able to do that. And so,
0: so do you get a lot of people asked that question when you're talking to them about investing their money or them uh, participating with the Catholic Foundation? Is that a concern to most of uh, the Catholics that you're talking to? I would say it's definitely a positive for them, yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, I mean, there are so much to go through here. I think it's fantastic to hear all the things that you're going through and how people can participate. Why is it important to the ministries of the Archdiocese of Denver in terms of that you exist? I mean, what is it that you do uh, that they'd never be able to do on their own in terms of support?
1: Well, we, we serve as a partner, we consider ourselves a partner to all the parishes, schools, and Catholic apostolates of the Archdiocese of Denver. We don't have a ministry needing funding of our own, so we can simply focus on developing relationships and educating the faithful on the call to generosity and the joy of giving, and then prudently investing those funds entrusted to us in that morally responsible way, and, and then providing grants that support those organizations Um and and basically the end being the mission of Christ and His Church. So we receive funds on behalf of all our organizational partners, and to reinforce that we are an extension of our parishes in particular, we established a $10,000 matching program for our parishes that over one-half of them took advantage of, Uh, and we'd love for more parishes to take advantage of that opportunity. And, And we aren't just about the parishes, though, in addition to the New Harvest campaign mentioned earlier for our seminaries and those parish matching funds, we also have Funds for Catholic charities, Catholic radio, Seeds of Hope, the TV Mass for shut-ins, and other Catholic apostolates like Focus and AI, just to mention a couple. We have hundreds of funds being invested and kept safe until the organization needs them, and that's probably uh, one of the keys, is that the funds at the Catholic Foundation are designated for a certain purpose when they're at an organization, but it's basically sitting there in trust until the Organization uh, right. needs those growing
0: with the interest and everything else, so they'll right. have a larger amount of money when they actually need it. Correct. Okay. Exactly. So you mentioned half the parishes are participating. Uh, what information would the other half need, or what would be a hesitation for a parish not to participate? I mean, a ten thousand dollar matching seems like a no brainer.
1: There's there's really no downside to yeah. establishing a fund and getting the match and getting started. So. Um, whether it's a, a lack of our communications or whatever the reason is, um, there, there really is no reason uh, every parish shouldn't want to be able to take advantage of that.
0: So is this a meeting with the pastor? Is this talking at a Mass? I mean, how, how can we help, or how can those who are listening say, well, geez, why aren't we doing it at our, our parish? Would it be an invite for you to come? Is it got to be from the pastor? How does, how does that work?
1: Well, ultimately, it certainly is the pastor's decision, right. but you know using parishioners to uh, encourage their, yes, <laughs> encourage and approach their pastor about, hey, have you guys thought about this or whatever, and then inviting us and, and we, we want to meet with the pastor and their finance council to make sure they understand what the fund is about, et cetera so it's uh, but it's a very simple process. It's got nothing but upside uh, in terms of yeah uh, I mean the why not and stuff exactly.
0: Um, I would yeah. imagine, I would hope that pastors who have taken advantage of it would talk to other ones and say, hey, it's a, it's a no-brainer, it's your money. Even if you don't get to the 10, say so you get to 8, it's still your 8. Right? And
1: that's turned into a 16 then. Yeah, exactly, so, so, yeah, so yeah, that, that, that matching. That, yeah, exactly. And we've had some of the parishes, they're, they're, the good news is there's no stipulations on the funds. It's whatever the pastor wants to create is the stipulation. So if they want to have all the money... Uh, immediately available, that's fine. And we've had some cases where the money's been in for a very short period of time before there's been a need for the money at the parish, and then we immediately disperse it upon the pastor letting us know.
0: So can you give an example, or maybe a couple of examples, of where the Catholic Foundation has come in with a grant, or whatever it may be, to one of those entities that you've talked about that's really made a difference for them?
1: Well, the... Oh gosh there's there's multiple examples (laughs) i'm sure there are probably uh, there's hundreds of of different ways that people have taken advantage of us i'm thinking of one of what has become one of our board members that had a piece of real estate that he wanted to give to help support catholic biblical school Mm -hmm. and so uh, catholic biblical school was the recipient of a grant from monies that turned from uh, basically unused real estate into something that was able to to support catholic biblical school Um, Holy Family High School has been recently the recipient of a grant that really helped them with their capital campaign up there. Uh, one of our priests um, wanted to give away uh, basically his estate, and he wanted, to, but he wanted to do it in an anonymous way, and so um, we were able to do that for him. So he gave us a list of things he was considering and said, well, what else is out there? Because of our role, we're, we're kind of aware of multiple needs throughout the Archdiocese, and so we were able to discuss that with him, and he chose a couple of those to support, as well as the ones that he originally had identified. And so, it it it's a, a unique situation for each donor, right? But um and and for each parish, for that matter. But it it repeatedly um, has has been a very positive, and, and some of the parishes have gotten gifts that we believe they wouldn't have gotten otherwise because of us introducing plan giving and the discussions we've had with their parishioners.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're a conduit to that kind of thing. Yeah. And just as a reminder, you're listening to Respect Life Radio. Our guest today is Deacon Steve Stemper, who's the CEO and President of the Catholic Foundation. Um, I know I'm assigned to uh, Holy Trinity, and a few months ago, uh, one of your staff members came out and at Mass presented a $50,000 check for the school that I know was imperative to be able to keep the school running. So I mean, yeah. these are significant dollars. These aren't hundred dollar checks. These are really dollars that make a difference to these people, right? Absolutely, yeah.
1: Those, uh, the schools in particular, one of our one of our major areas of focus. But yeah, that eleven million dollars that we distributed in two thousand seventeen was spread across the archdiocese and
0: and beyond. And eleven million dollars is nothing to sneeze at. I just think it's fantastic that there's an entity here in the Archdiocese that can help support, as you mentioned, whether it's Holy Family High School, the Catholic Biblical School, people don't see this stuff, right? They just think it's kind of there, and great, I'll, I'll take advantage, but it takes funds in order for these things to actually work. And it to get those funds, we need people to participate. So if somebody were interested, how would they work with you? Well, there's a
1: I'm going to give multiple answers to that. If, if they were interested in a donor-advised account or a donor-advised fund, uh, you know, anyone having a wealth event, especially generating taxable income, like the sale of a business is ideal. But, but anyone with the, change, with, with the change in the standard deductions for our individual income taxes, anyone that's going to give away, let's say, maybe $25,000 or more over a three-year period should at least talk to us to learn more about donor-advised accounts. For uh, out-of-the-ordinary uh, giving— especially if you're 70 or over and you have a retirement account. There's another ideal reason for people just to call us and have a discussion and learn more about that. And then generically, everyone, everyone should talk with us, whether you think you just have a widow's mite or more in your assets, everyone should talk to us about the opportunity to leave the church in their will. Many people um, have... Been Many other organizations throughout the country have been doing that with, with individuals for years now, and the Catholic Church has been way behind in that effort. But most of us will make our most significant gift at the end of our life. And yet, when I've talked to people, many are just have, have just come from the mindset of, oh, I'm just going to leave it all to the kids. But when we talk to them and encourage them to, hey, would you do something like leave the Church with a tithe, i.e., 10%, or would you do what my wife and I have done? We have four kids, so we're treating the Church like one of our children. So we're splitting it five ways, with the Church getting a fifth. But I know that people are reluctant about hearing advice about their money, even <laughs> when it comes from the Church. But the Church and Scriptures give us some great, great um, affirmation of, of you know, what's available for us with our giving. In the book of Tobit, chapter 12, verse 9, we read, "...it is better to give alms than to store up gold." for almsgiving saves one from death and expiates every sin. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic statement, but people might say, oh, that was the Old Testament. <laughs> oh, it but, only counted back then, yeah. huh? When there were no retirement accounts. <laughs> that's right. Okay. But Jesus himself reinforces basically that statement from Tobit in the book of uh, Luke, chapter 11, verse 41. We read Jesus saying, But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. Now, we know, uh, Deacon Jeff, that we cannot earn our way to salvation. Salvation is only God's grace. It's only a complete gift from God. All Christians, we all ag- agree, we can't earn our way. And, and whether it's faith or works, or faith and works, it's still completely a gift. But God does give us uh, some challenges and does give us some promises about what it means to, give, uh, uh, or, or to live our lives and being cognizant of our works, sure. and of which giving, of course, is one. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, we read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive recompense according to what he did in the body, whether good or evil. And if we flip to the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13, we hear something similar. I hear, I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, said the Spirit, let them find rest from their labors, for their works accompany them." So how do we reconcile this concept that we're saved by God's grace, but that our works matter? Right. Well, I use the example of that cup of water uh, in front of you, that that person who I'll call Exhibit A, they were a bad sinner, but at the end of their life, they asked for God's mercy, and of course, if they ask, they're going to receive forgiveness and receive God's mercy, and God is going to forgive them. And let them spend eternity with him. Now, they will spend some time in purgatory, presumably, being ready for that eternal place of heaven. But their capacity when they get to heaven might be the capacity of that cup. It'll be filled to the brim. All they will know is joy, peace, and love. They will know no sorrow, sadness, or regret by the time they get to heaven. Just filled to the brim, joy, peace, and love. But Mother Teresa, or maybe Julia Greeley, as an example, they might get there, and they might have the capacity of this building compared to that cup for joy, peace, and love. And so our giving is one element of building that capacity for a more dramatic heavenly experience that awaits for us. And the beauty of a planned gift is it's a gift when we can't use it anymore. We've lived our life, and it's just a matter of what we're going to do with our money at that point. And so it's a great gift. Right,
0: and so really, the money we have is God's gift to us, anyway, right? It's absolutely it's His we're, money to begin with. We're only stewards, and then we hear, you know, we hear regularly that God can't be outdone in generosity. So again and we're, again, we're giving God what is already His, right?
1: <laughs> it is, and and yet, and and I use my own parents as an example. My father informed me they were going to be updating their will a while back. And uh, I said, Would you think about doing what Kathy and I have done and treat the church like one of your children? I'm one of four boys, so the math would have been the same. And my dad said, No, I don't want to do that. And I started quoting scripture to him, and he he was just, you know, he just wasn't interested. And I said, Well, would you at least pray about it? Well, he came back about a month later and he said, Steve, I got good news and bad news for you. I said, Yeah, what's that? He goes, Well, the good news, your mother and I did pray about that, and we're going to leave 20% of the church like you suggested. The bad news, it's all coming out of your share. <laughs>
0: well, that's <laughs> yeah. Be careful when you be careful what you ask for; you just may get it. Uh, that that we hear quite often, which is which is funny, but it is you know it's so important to remember that everything we have is a gift. It is, and and, if, and one okay. thing I, uh,
1: let me interrupt you, Deacon Jeff. But one thing that we would then maybe ask ourselves is, if we were going to give a gift, where would God want it to go? Well, in Galatians chapter six verse ten, we hear Paul write do good to all, but especially to those who belong to the family of the faith, mm-hmm. especially to those who belong to the family of the faith. And that's what my wife and I have done. We've come to focus our giving on church and faith-related matters because we care most of all about eternal life for our kids and everybody that we love. I'll, I'll end this part of this section with this quote from Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul writes, It is not that I am eager for the gift. Rather, I am eager for the profit that accrues to your account. Okay. I, I, my life isn't going to be changed by people coming and leaving the Catholic Foundation in their will, but in part of my ministry, I'm eager for the profit that accrues to their account if they do so.
0: Right, and they'll change the lives of others. I mean, people that go through the biblical school or Catholic education, might not have that opportunity if people aren't participating with the Catholic Foundation, correct?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the needs of the Church are dramatic. If we had people that were um, treating the Church like they do some times, some of the universities and, and colleges, they get the seven-figure gifts, and I'm not saying that you need to give a seven-figure gift, because whether you're giving a widow's mite or whatever it is, everything's relative in God's eyes. So if, if we've given a good portion of what we have, that's beautiful. God knows how much we have, so He's not dealing with the absolutes. He's dealing with the relative, too.
0: But seven-figure gifts are quite welcome. Absolutely, and we've
1: been blessed to have received a couple of those in my tenure at the Catholic Foundation, which has enabled us to do all kinds of amazing things for our Church.
0: Well, it is amazing, and and nothing is too small, nothing is too great, but it does impact other people. And so to be able to share what the Lord has already given us— isn't new, but sometimes we need to remind people of that. So how can people, you know, there's a lot of information we've kind of gone through today, and we do have about five minutes left. How can people who are interested contact you?
1: Well, that's simple. Uh, They can just call us. They can uh, just call the Catholic Foundation offices. Our main number is 303-468-9885, and I'm sure you can find that on the web if you don't, if you're driving in the car and you You don't have an ability to write that down right down. But um, you just tell our receptionist that you heard this invitation to learn more, and she'll put you in touch with either myself or Gene Finnegan on my staff or another member of the team. Uh, Believe me, there's never any pressure in dealing with us. We just like to extend invitations and and, uh, educate on what some of the options are. But, um, yeah, we would love the opportunity to to meet with anybody that's interested in learning more.
0: So if I call you and I'm in Arvada— are you coming to me, or do I have to come to you? Whichever your preference is. Okay, yeah, we are so very flexible either. about that. Yeah,
1: as long as you don't need me in 15
0: minutes and we can set up a time, no, we, can we can be flexible. we can <laughs> easily go 20, so that's not a problem. But if I'm a senior citizen, I don't like driving, you know, yeah. you know the highways, and we know what the highways look like around right. here. It's good to know that you'll come to them and just yeah. kind of do like an infomercial about what's available, where they are in their life, and what they're looking to do, Yeah, correct? or
1: what, whatever their questions are. I mean, we've just touched the surface of many of these issues, and many of these issues have multiple layers to them, especially when you're dealing with your assets and stuff. So, you know, um, we're, we're happy to be... Um, as helpful as as the person wants us to be, knowing that uh, what we do is completely confidential. Uh, This priest that I mentioned earlier, I mean, he wanted to be confidential even to the archdiocese. I mean, so, (laughs) you know, um, what we do is is we are legally separate, and so that enables us to be completely confidential with people and allow them uh, to be anonymous if they choose. Most of our donors don't choose that, but for those who do, it's an important uh, benefit.
0: And if you are a larger donor, and there's donor-advised funds, as you mentioned before, they can decide what apostolate or where that money goes, right? You guys have Absol- it, absolutely. but they still have control in terms of, hey, I'd like it to go to Catholic Charities, or I'd like it to go to the seminary, or whatever that might be.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's the beauty of the fund. It's called donor-advised, the person gives up legal ownership which it, with the monies, which enables them to get the tax deduction at that point in time. So that happens, and we are a 501c3 charity, so we are a nonprofit, so we can give them the tax receipt. But then we are holding it in trust for them to advise us what to do with it. So the donor-advised element is ultimately,
0: yes, they make the
1: decisions about their, where that wants, where they want that money to go.
0: So I guess the bottom line is people should really pray about where is the Lord leading them, what does He want them to do with either their assets or their financial wherewithal, whatever that may be, so that when they're talking to you, they've kind of already thought through this, and they know how much they, roughly how much they have. Some people may not even understand, you know, with 401k or and haven't added those things together, but I thought your example of treating the church like a child is a simple one, but Reson would resonate with a lot of people. I think we found that it
1: does, and um, you know, um, you know what the death rate has done compared to a century ago. Yeah, it's still one hundred percent. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, we are going to get to that point, and we can we can be reluctant to deal with our mortality, and I mean that's kind of natural, but it is going to happen, and it's a great great gift to your heirs or to whoever, to have dealt with your with your plans and to make those plans known and concrete. Everyone should have a will. I know some people are reluctant. They're like, oh, that's going to cost money. It will cost money to work with an attorney to do that, and if anybody ever needs a referral for a Catholic attorney to work with, we also can provide that. Um, but it, in the end, will save lots of money
0: and time versus the alternative of not having a will. Yeah, so to have... One of your children have to deal with this and have no idea where to start versus coming in and having a will with direction and how these things are going to go. I mean, that's like night and day. It is. Um, is. I mean, what a gift. And I think for you guys to be able to, the Catholic Foundation that is, be able to advise people, make them think, I mean, of our own mortality, is something that sometimes is out in left field. We haven't really thought about it. Uh, but it's going to happen, and you know, tomorrow is not promised to anybody, so we don't know how many tomorrows we actually have.
1: I'm sure you and your ministry and I and my have seen many people that thought they had lots of tomorrows, and all of a sudden tomorrow came today. So yes, it is something that can't be uh, for, or presumed upon. I would like to close with a, a quote from Pope Francis from his first apostolic exhortation. He said, "...piety makes people capable of generosity and sacrifice, even to the point of heroism." When it is a question of bearing witness to belief, I guess my question for us is,
0: does our generosity bear witness to our belief? Well, thank you, Deacon Steve, for coming in today. Again, if somebody wants to contact you, what's the phone number?
1: 303-468-9885, and thank you, Deacon Jeff. Well, thanks
0: for taking the time. God bless. God bless you.